Hey everyone, and welcome to a bonus end of the year holiday episode of Exploring Kodawari. We wanted to do a more fun and casual episode to round off the year, so we made this episode all about the psychedelic mushroom history of the Santa Claus tradition. In this version, the basis for our modern Santa figure was actually ancient shamans in the Scandinavian and Siberian regions who would pass out hallucinogenic mushrooms on the winter solstice. Is it definitely true? Nobody can say for sure. And likely the Santa figure came from lots of overlapping traditions that were borrowed and transformed over time. But if you're like me, some part of your brain has always wondered about the many weird details involved with Santa. Like why does Santa go down the chimney? Why can't he just use the door? And what's with his particular red and white outfit? Why does he put red presents under the green conifer trees? And most curious is where the flying reindeer come from. Hint, psychedelic mushrooms could explain why everyone involved, old bearded shamans, people seeing these shamans pulled by reindeer through the forest, and even the reindeer themselves would think that there was some flying happening. Also, what's up with the trippy versions of Santa in those old paintings? So this psychedelic version of the Santa history potentially explains a lot of these weird details, but even if it's not all 100% accurate, it's at the very least really fun to think about. And also, we just wanted to have a hang with our good friend Johnny, who we haven't seen in a while. So this is a perfect excuse to have him on the podcast again. He's the homebrewing expert from uh, episode 10, and he also happens to have an impressively detailed database of history in his head that was perfect for this topic. And since he's a beer guy, we also got into some of the beer history of Christmas, basically the old pagan solstice celebrations in the Scandinavian countries, aka the Yule Feasts, had beer as a central element. So this was our excuse to have a few beers and do a Yule Feast podcast episode to finish off the crazy year that was 2020. We launched Exploring Kodawari just over six months ago, and we now have 25 episodes published and lots of articles on the blog. So thank you all for listening and reading, and if you celebrate the holidays and New Year's around this time of year, we hope you have a great time and a happy new year. Enjoy, and see you in 2021 with more episodes. And bam, recording here. Exploring Kodawari, episode Christmas, bonus episode. Whoa, we go. what's that trippy lighting? Yeah, what happened? <laughs> what? Did you put like a trippy filter on your webcam or um, are we... On mushrooms. On mushrooms. <laughs> it's it's either that or a poor internet connection. Oh. Could be both. Or you did put a filter on. You had that look on your face like you put a filter on. No. <laughs> All right, I'm just going to go with it. I'm just going to have to trust you. Uh, Johnny, welcome back to the podcast. You were on, you. I don't know, 10 episodes ago, 12 episodes ago. We talked about beer, and I have a feeling we're going to talk about beer again. Yes, that's all I do. And mushrooms, possibly. Sure. Um, all different kinds of mushrooms, and Santa, and Christmas, and tradition. Um, we did, we did, we talked about this before, but I didn't realize until I was researching this week, like, just how weird and detailed the connections between Santa and the, uh, what's the mushroom name? I always... Uh, uh, Amanita, Amanita, um, Amanita those mascara, poisonous. mascara. Yeah. So that's not actually, um, psilocybin, right? No, uh, Amanita is poisonous and will kill you and your dogs. So it's poisonous, but that's, that kind of is part of the tradition of like why it is where it is in Christmas. That's mm. taken into account the poisonous, but yeah, when you get magic mushrooms, like in North America from a guy, 
like psilocybin mushrooms, it's usually not uh, amanita or fly al- ag- agaric. Algoric. It's got a few names. Yeah, I but, think uh, that it's not psilocybin that makes you trip in these um, in this Christmas story version of the the trippy mushroom. You do. It is a psychedelic trip. Yeah, though. you are. Like it's not like like if you take enough nutmeg, you can get delirious from it. But it's <laughs> not really a drug. It's like a deliriant if you take it in high doses. Is it like, like catnip for glue cats? or whatever? Uh, what nutmeg or mushroom? <laughs> I don't know either one. I don't think anything is quite like catnip for cats. <laughs> they got weird. a weird thing going on with that. So, like, but, if uh, I ate catnip, I don't have an, an experience. But when cats do it, like something in their their brain or their whatever, yeah, it fucks them up. Have you ever seen a cat? Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah, they they like actually get high. They, from yeah, they it. look like they're like. There's a uh, a YouTube video of this documentary or this study they did where they gave I think a bunch of soldiers like a whole unit in the uk army um lsd and then they put them through a training session yeah it's a great video i've seen it i imagine that's kind of like watching like a panther in the wild like tripping on wild catnip i wonder if you can give enough of it to a big cat if it works on like lions and tigers and stuff maybe psilocybin or Or, no the the catnip whatever that oh catnip chemical is Oh my god! Somebody's definitely did that at a zoo somewhere. I do know uh, <laughs> the the Amanita muscaria, mus, uh, muscaria uh, that reindeer love to eat it. Right. So let's get into. Let's just lay the myth. Let's on get the into table. it with some facts. Some quick, quick. <laughs> so some of these will be definitely be facts. Like the Amanita muscaria mushroom looks like Santa Claus, and it's it's a red cap <laughs> with white dots on it. Yeah, usually red. I think it can be yellow. Or maybe a different species is yellow. Um, the nor- the Scandinavian ones are red and white, and 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 the ones that grow specifically under conifer trees mm-hmm. or birch trees, right? So there's a lot of connections when you ask yourself, which I didn't really do for the longest time. It's like traditions. You just put a tree in the house. All right. Hey, mom, dad, why do we put a tree in there? It's Christmas. Okay. Like, that's it. That's the level of question. It's even weirder when you look back because you're like, oh, it's an American thing, right? And you're like, wait, the pilgrims didn't do that. Right. And we do their weird Thanksgiving feast thing as a tradition we keep. But like, it has an explanation, at least. You know, they took a break from slaughtering Indians to eat turkey or whatever the story is there. But with Christmas, (laughs) it's like- have a wonderful (laughs) corn-filled- It was like a hundred years later or something that like the Christmas tree sprung. I think it was like the 1800s and it's because, uh, ow, because like uh, Scandinavian Slavic people started like brought the tradition, immigrants brought those traditions with them. Right. They, they and those, it. those immigrants that brought it with them, they probably didn't even know what they were really doing. Like how much of our no, culture the, are we just doing things that we don't yeah. even know what it is? The, the, like magic mushroom brought to you by a physical magic mushroom that is Santa. Like it's a very specific area in like Lapland or something where like it came out of. Um, and it just, I think that's just what took over in pop culture. And like, we just, it's accepted that a fat man goes down your chimney or something now with people don't even have chimneys anymore and it still pops up. And yeah. (laughs) Did you grow up believing in Santa? Like, I mean, at some point did you, or do you remember that? Yeah, I was raised Catholic, so I believed in all the fairy tales until like seven, you know, six, seven. Seven is Santa, Easter Bunny, Jesus, all of them. Um, One of my first memories is uh, staying up late and hiding on our balcony to look down at the living room 
<clears throat> to try and see and, if you see the see, fat guy. And, and seeing my parents put the stuff. I was like really young and my parents confirmed that this was true. It was like three. And after that, it was just like, <laughs> hey, it makes sense. Like, yeah, whatever. I didn't care. It wasn't like a big deal. Makes <laughs> sense that you became a scientist then. You were like already like, let me just see what's going on. I'm not just going to accept a story. <laughs> yep. Yeah, really I I, uh, I, th- I think my realization was I got something I wanted. And I was like, wow, Santa actually got it. And it was Legos or something. And I'm like, there's a barcode. It's the same exact barcode <laughs> as the one in the store. Because I remember like you go to the store and you look at the thing you want all year. And you like stare at it as a kid and memorize it. Like in the department store when that was a thing in the 90s. So you're like, I want that Lego set. And then it shows up at your house. Wait, you're like, wait, this is the exact Lego set from Walmart. You're telling me a bunch of elves hammered this together. And with that's like what I said. And my mom was like, she was like, well, you know, stuff like that that's made already, the elves just pick up from the store because Santa has a bunch of other toys to make. And I'm like, wait, so he's buying toys? And like, the logi- even as a kid, the logistics didn't work out. Yeah. And I was like, so he's buying Where does some he get and the then money? making some. And it's like, why do rich kids seem to get, like, why does Santa like rich kids better than poor kids? Like, is he, yeah. is he just a dick? Like, you know, it's the, the whole logic structure. How does he down. eat all of those cookies from house to house? Like, mm. I didn't really That's think about That's actually part of the questions. myth, too, the cookies thing. Yeah, the, 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 so not every detail lines up perfectly. And, of course, you run the risk of confirmation bias once you decide, hey, I want to tell the story of, like, Santa was really a mushroom cult leader. Or, you know, the shaman for, for a mushroom cult that tripped every year on the solstice. You know, okay, fine. That's a really fun story. And it turns out there's a lot of connections. But it, it definitely might not be true. Or it might be partially true. Or, you know, it's very well, easy to just connect things yeah. when you already have the framework that especially feels fun. <laughs> but, I mean, that's why it got co-opted by the Christians. Because Christianity was, like, not the the accepted thing. It was the new like religion they were trying right. to sell people on and like it was like a cult in the in the eyes of like the the upper class romans they're like what's going on with that weird christianity yeah. cult yeah it was really weird and then even once the romans accepted it it was like hundreds to maybe even a thousand years for more like remote locations for them in the northern reaches of europe to accept like christian you know the pagans are still like no we're good being pagans and do right our thing. I mean, it makes um, sense that it all it, that many elements could blend together from all all different things. Um, so in this case, it seems like Christianity had a Jesus. This tradition in mm-hmm. in the Nordic area had this Santa thing, and Christmas, well, right? The I mass it, of Christ kind yeah. of got blended together with the solstice celebration combined with this saint nicholas like is this shaman of mushroom thing and we just had all these attached behaviors without remembering why why the our ancestors did that something like that is that the the uh, yeah i mean there's no way jesus was born in winter on the winter solstice right the odds of it are just the fact that it was a huge established religion in most cultures at the time and a messiah like happened to be born on it but it's not it has nothing to do with it i mean they literally chose it in like i think the fourth century or something yeah and then they made it december 25th because they changed from the julian calendar to the gregorian Mm -hmm. calendar yeah but it was traditionally the solstice and a lot of the the pagan cultures that was the end of the year like that was because it's the longest it's the longest day of night like yes the the darkest uh day so then it was okay now and that was the calendar you used was like the sun and sky and and you're about to face winter yeah yeah and really winter isn't that bad yet it's the beginning 
Yeah. You know, I think growing up in the Northeast, it was like, you think it starts to get cold in like September, October, and then it gets nice in like March, April again. It starts to get nice. But really winter is like December to like February to, yeah, December to like February, April is where it's real bad. And then you can like start some winter crops and some berries and like, you know, stuff that you can survive on. So it was a good idea to take like the dark, like just we now we know about seasonal affective disorder and stuff and sunlight, how it messes with people. Oh, so yeah. If you're living in a place where you're getting 20 hours of dark a day on the longest day, it's nice to have something to look forward to as the nights keep getting longer and longer. And then once you have that big celebration, you're like, oh, it's going to get slightly better each day until it's nice out again. So yeah. it totally makes sense how it developed as like the big feast in the year. It's almost like a charging up before the darkness of winter kind of thing. Um, there's something yeah, symbolic exactly. about it. But like if I were just an alien studying, you know, advanced, um, what do you call it? Like primate behavior. I would just think of this as like, of course they chose this like really astronomically um, uh, significant day to do this celebration on, right? Yeah. If you were just watching chimpanzees, you'd be like, oh, you know, they do that because, you know, that makes sense to them in this way. And like, we're just chimpanzees looking up like ah, 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 and we notice like the sun is getting lower and lower except one day starts to go back the other way and the days get longer and the sun gets higher that's pretty significant that's like a boundary that's like time right it's a repeatable event yeah and then somehow we build the pyramids and stonehenge to be you mean aliens accurate <laughs> i thought Which aliens i saw i saw a history channel show and they said definitely aliens built the pyramids. I actually never watched Ancient Aliens. I have never seen it, but uh, I'm pretty sure it's all accurate. It's all accurate? Um, why not? All right, so you're our resident scientist. Um, oh, no. If, if we say anything scientifically questionable, just say it's accurate anyways, and we'll feel better Science about out. our story. <laughs> so when did Christianity come to Scandinavia? Uh. There's actually a, like a pagan crusade, I think, in the seven eight hundred something like that. Like everyone, the Middle Eastern crusades get all the press, but there was one, and there's some cool names like the Battle of the Ice. They fought on this like big frozen lake, and it was about that them trying to like force Christianity on these like remote pagan areas in Lithuania and stuff. That were like, nah, we kind of just farm and do our thing. Like we're not really pray, pray interested. Odin, and yeah, and they were so on the periphery of like the farthest extents of the Roman world that. They never really got Romanized the way, you know, the Spanish and the French and the even some Southern German areas did. So it uh it came pretty late and like a lot of things still got like it was easier to co-opt than eradicate. And we still have a lot of weird Norse Scandinavian things in, in English because the Vikings raided uh like England and the English speaking world at the time, like uh, yeah. Odin is known as in England. He was Woden. Yep, yep. And that's where Wed Wednesday came from. Odin's day. Thor's day. Thursday right? is Thor's day. Friday is Freya's day. Saturday is for Saturn, which Saturnalia was also on Christmas. Right. Um, and that was and the Roman. The version. Vikings tripped a lot too, right? That like that was part of. They drank a lot of beer, and they, um, as far as the show Vikings uh, that I watched on Hulu way back when, um that they, they had these sort of sh shamanic areas that they would go to once a year and have like a crazy trip in the forest and like talk to the Viking gods like Odin and whatnot. Yeah, the, the shaman thing was a big thing at the time. And Santa is, we're, we're contesting here that Santa was a shaman. Um, 
The shamans supposedly would dress up like the mushrooms, which makes <laughs> sense. Priests kind of dress like Jesus with the robes and stuff, right? So they would dress up to make themselves look like a mushroom, which is the red with the white trim, the yeah. Santa outfit. Even the white face with the red dots. And even in the 20th century, 19th century, but it, well into the 20th century, you look at a lot of the old artwork, that old like vintage Christmas artwork. They're like, there's toadstools everywhere. Santa's like always laughing and there's like, he's in the woods <laughs> and there's like elves and shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, the elves are supposed you know, like, to be or like the little animals, spirits the that animals are like, yeah. Or the reindeer's like smiling at him and he's winking at them. And it's like, that's something that happens when you take psychedelics. You think you can talk to animals and trees right. and stuff. And so you, it, think, you think that, oh, as a kid, you're like, oh that's just a, a a nice painting from the old days where sand is all cheerful and yeah stuff. he's in the woods there's <laughs> mushrooms and shit in the woods whatever like it's supposed <laughs> to be a thing you know i've never been to the north pole that's probably what it's like yeah. there are also elves and stuff so you're like yeah that's fine it all checks out no problem yep. elves make sense and they're building you know games that only toys r us makes yep makes sense <laughs> but but even the idea that the shaman would eat the mushroom and then he would like gain this power from the mushroom and that's why he would dress like one. Like, he is the mushroom now. He worships she. it now, right? But also, like, what the mushroom could give you, like, insight it could give you, like, he could give you now. He was, like, a right. conduit to the, the gods or whatever, spirit realm. And that's what um, shamans but, do, like, when, when they lead a, a tripping ceremony. They also trip with you, mm -hmm. and you're there, you know, tripping, and they guide you. Because, like, if, look, think of any movie... Like when the when the main hero character has to have his like reckoning and has some kind of trippy experience, like seeing, you know, Lion King, seeing the dads, you know. Yeah, Rafiki's there right to yeah. help him along. By the way, that's yeah. probably a tripping scene too, because the the shaman character, like, oh, Rafiki was definitely dosing people. Yeah, that's, that's what yeah. I mean. he, he, he was he he had got too much joy out of messing with people. He's definitely he, secretly he dosing. Shared, didn't, didn't he share a, uh, some type of fruit? Yeah, he made him eat like a fruit thing, right? Yeah, mm. or or maybe it was or like drink himself. water from a specific source. Maybe or it was fermented or something, or yeah. a bug. It was something like that. Um, but yeah, that idea that and that's a Christian thing too. Like the whole eating the bread, like it's part of Jesus. It's part of you now. Like drink the wine. Like there's this whole connection to God. It's just with the pagan tradition, it's more of a nature connection. Like that's where the the yeah. divinity is manifested or whatever. Instead of you know the 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 God that the church owns and is is pitching to you. Yeah, but so it's it, almost like Christianity in that view lost touch with its roots or something. Um, I never read the book. Did you read that guy's book? The um, who, who's the famous guy that uh, uh, the book was like the 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 mushroom and the cross or some, the sacred mushroom and the cross? Uh, I I haven't read that. I read a bunch of this other mushroom book <laughs> called like Mushrooms and Magic or something. What was it called? Mushrooms and Mankind. I actually have a great quote from it. Um, if you want, that yes. I have ready. Um, and it's about that connection of so like you were saying the mushrooms. A little more history is supposedly... So the mushrooms are poisonous, as Kara said in the beginning. Like, it, it will mess you up on top of the psychedelic effects. So, like, if you just eat them fresh, so they would dry them and smoke them and do things to make them less potent so you could still get that effect. Right. Um, but al also, if you... Which are back, ornaments, by the way. They would dry them you would on the tree. tree. So these yeah. red things are hanging from the, 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 the mm -hmm. uh, juniper... Uh, not juniper, uh, the... Uh, Pine trees. Pine trees, trees and shit. Whatever. And 
you know, that's why we put like red presents under the tree and red ornaments on the tr- on the green tree, right? Exactly. So this is from uh, Mushrooms and Mankind by James Arthur. And it's a book all about like psychedelic things in, on religion, it, where they fit into different world religions. And yeah. like, it's not just about Santa and mushrooms, but uh, the quote is, why do people bring pine trees into their houses at the winter solstice, placing brightly colored red and white packages under their boughs as gifts to show their love for each other and as representations of the love of God and the gift of his son's life? It is because underneath the pine bough is the exact location where one would find this most sacred substance, the Amanita mascara in the wild. Right. So it's, it's, it's a, you know, a bit of a metaphor there. Like we're recreating that pagan ritual because you probably didn't want your kids tripping. Right. So well, you, you yeah. kind of, maybe it was a way to like, cause it is a kid's holiday, but if there is an adult side to it where the adults like trip out, I feel like that part kind of got left out. Of the and American experience, at least. What what year are we talking, like, of this ritual? We're talking, like, thousands of years B.C., right? Maybe. I don't know. We don't have great... We don't have... Like, even the Viking Age, that show Vikings, it's all based off of very few writings. Yeah. They didn't really write a lot down, and the church probably burned a lot of what they did or what was written down, you know? Um, and so... Because it was pagan writing. Like, they didn't see it as cool historical texts or whatever. They saw it as dangerous. Um, so like, e- even like the whole like Ragnar thing is from like one Edda, like one recorded thing. Ragnar Lothbrok. Yeah, the, yeah. The Ragnar's sons and all that. Like that's from one the, account of the history. The so it's. Snora Edda by Snorri yeah. Sturluson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's right. It's the Snora Edda. Um. That's the, that's the writing that they found that showed whatever yeah, that, that that's story. That's the saga is. or whatever. And it was like, like the Bible stories, most of them, it was written down like hundreds of years after it happened or at least a generation after it happened. So it's like how much of that is true or whatever. So we really don't know how far back this practice goes, but I mean, people have been herding reindeer for a long time. There's not, I don't know about in Scandinavia, but I think in Mongolia and Siberia, there are people who like live with their reindeer herds and will like train. If you start both at a young age, you could train people to ride the reindeer. So, and if you take uh, Amanita, apparently one of the side effects is a feeling of like floating and flying. Right. So if you're riding or if, if you're not riding, if you're just a farmer, and <laughs> the shaman is going around delivering mushrooms and you hear him doing the Santa lap going, oh, oh, oh. And you see you see a reindeer riding across the snowbank with a guy on his back and you took some mushrooms before you're gonna be like, that guy's flying. Wow, that guy's <laughs> flying on a reindeer right now. That's pretty, pretty dope. Even better than that, the reindeer love eating these mushrooms too. They do. So they feel like they're flying. So they're probably walking in more of that flyy kind of walk. <laughs> so the reindeer are so attracted to it because it's not toxic to them. They can right. eat it yeah. and it doesn't mess them up. And in winter, not a lot grows except mushrooms will still grow under the pine trees because it's wet and dark under there. On you know, um, and they they'll process out the toxins and then their piss will make you trip. It probably so tastes the shaman good to them too. Could, like it probably tastes like the reindeer chicken piss. taste to us or something. Apparently, though, they liked it so much they could smell it in your urine. So if you ate, if you were the shaman eating them, like the the reindeer would follow you around. Also, if you have a bag of it of dried mushrooms, you're carrying around in the middle of winter, like they're going to be drawn right to it. So the reindeer follow the shaman around, and eventually the shaman also like, let me chain his- them up to my uh, sled here and have them pull me around. 
Yeah, but like that adds to your magical mystique. If it's like the reindeer are following him around, reindeer don't follow people around. Yeah. You know, they're kind of like semi-domesticated animals. And then was Rudolph the concept of like the reindeer who ate the most mushrooms? Well, yeah, he guide? had the red nose. He had the red nose and he would guide them through through the dark of night because I guess he was the, the reindeer shaman or shaman of the reindeer. But even his red nose is like, you know, reminiscent of the... The, the mushroom story well i think it's like these details are just like things go into stories that you're like why that detail could have been anything why that mm. and this is not a hundred percent proof that rudolph the red-nosed reindeer exists because of reindeers enjoying eating this mushroom which but it's or a, it's a pretty fun thing that to that think was... about and i'm pretty sure why can't that be true yeah, I think it more likely he was the one reindeer who was like a truffle pig, who was really good at finding them, even when the other reindeer uh. couldn't. So he would lead the other reindeer around, like <laughs> we're hungry, pig. we're out of mushrooms. And he'd be like, hey, I could find him. And they'd be like, you know what? This little runty reindeer is good for something. He's good for finding us mushrooms. Right. It was sort of like, um, I mean, which is also a classic story, right? The yeah. reindeer who's not that keeping up with the other reindeer, suddenly you find out it has a secret skill, right? And then it ends up saving the day. Yeah, but they're still assholes, the other reindeer. If they're like, oh, you're useful to us? Okay, you can hang out. Like They, they used to really laugh and call him names. names. Yeah. <laughs> and now they're like, well, you're cool because everyone else thinks you're cool, so I want to hang out with... Like, the reindeers are still being dicks about it. Yeah, they could have been <laughs> But they've been eating a lot of mushrooms, so you got to give them a pass, you know? <laughs> there, so that that's a cool metaphor that the, it's the mushroom that guides you through the darkness, right? Yeah, I mean, well, especially like if it's dark and you had a bad harvest, you know, it's thousands of years ago. So let's say you lost three of your four kids or whatever in that right. year. Cause that shit happened. You know, some, some ergot rot took your rye crop or things aren't good. Right. And then the shaman shows up and you're just in a bad place. And he's like, drink some of my piss. We'll talk it out. I'll give you some, tr- some advice. While <laughs> oh, you're but you should, you should say problem. that, that not only did we drink, reindeer piss but they would also drink the shaman's piss because it was a safer way to get a high dose of the psychedelic without actually ingesting the poisonous part because it's already been you know processed through the shaman's body or whatever some theories is that like the shaman was selected as somebody who like could handle the, the the more toxic doses of the mushrooms or they built up an immunity like you know they built up a tolerance to it or they were really good at harvesting reindeer urine and they just, because if you drink enough of that, like your urine will have a lot. <laughs> yeah, but that also connects back that. into the Jesus thing. <laughs> the whole, you know, take of my body and whatever. I forget the yes. point. But it's like you're drinking something from me. Like you're, you're, you know what I mean? Like there's something magical about transferring knowledge physically from one person to another. Right. And like that was kind of Jesus's whole thing, apparently. Like you who know? came up with the drinking urine part? Like, I think they I think they, they kind of replaced it, that right? with the wine drinking, you know? Oh. Well, I, I think it was just they were desperate. Well, they, they changed it. It's, it's warm, like wine drinking it. is what we literally do, but they say you're drinking the blood of Christ, right? I mean, that seems kind of weird to me too, but like drinking urine is a little less but drinking marketable. drinking blood, drinking blood, I mean, a lot of Christian things go go way, way pa- back past uh, like Jesus, you know, like there's some Indian deity who is born of a Christian God, of a, a Christian, sorry, born of a virgin God. Like the virgin oh, birth yeah. thing pops the up and there's like popular, three yeah. messengers that like tell her she's going to have a God baby without laying with a God. Like there's, there's all those different things. Um, 
And like the blood drinking blood is in a few. My favorite is also let's hang out in Scandinavia because that's what Santa's from, and that's Northern Europe. That's what I've been studying lately. Yeah. Um, my favorite is the story of Kavasir, the the uh, I think he was a god, the ancient um, Norse god, and he was like the wisest of the gods. He had the best advice. Like you would just you could ask him. Like he just was the guy you'd ask questions to. And then these just real quick version of his story. These dark elves. Uh, tricked him into coming over, and then they murdered him. And are you okay? And uh, like tricked him, cut his throat, drained his blood, and made this really good meat out of it that would turn mm. you into a poet. <laughs> um, like even the m- most non-poetic people, if you drank this mead, you'd be like an amazing poet because it had Kavasir's blood in it. And then okay. some giant stole it, and then Odin stole it from the giant. It was a whole thing. Um, but that's a really common drink in like Scandinavia, Slavic nations, Russia is kvass, which is like a rye bread beer, uh, where you take old stale bread that's too hard to eat and you throw it into a mash and make like a really thin sour beer out of it. But okay. that's also the whole. So you have the blood drinking blood connection. Yeah. But then you also have the bread is the body thing because fermentation has been understood as pretty magical throughout history. I mix some sugars together, say some shit over it, stir it with a stick and it bubbles and it has this magical property of making me feel good. Like not getting me sick the way the groundwater will. Right. And like, it's just, it feels great. You can drink a lot of it and get wasted. You don't have to understand the chemistry before you understand that it works. Right. So if you break up some bread and some, some malt, now you turn this, gross like near inedible moldy old bread into that magic beverage again it, it's you know it's that connection to somehow nature is giving you something special right right totally so that so th- there's probably um uh you know the the book maps of meeting have you heard of that mm-hmm. it sort of tries to trace like okay what are the fundamentals that are common through all these stories like you know what are the the um in mythology, like if, especially if you go back far enough, you get the same basic outline, same outline you get in like the um, the uh, 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 what is the Loki Thor? What's that that series called? Oh, Thor. <laughs> Thor, or you know, like all th- those movies that are super popular, like the, Marvel, the, Marvel movies, Marvel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are they called? Marvel. Gosh, yeah. how old am I? <laughs> I don't know. There is a new show. I'm about like, Loki. you know, those superhero oh, yeah, movies that. that everyone likes. Yeah, there's a new Loki show. Yeah, those are very different, though. Those are the Jack Kirby uh, Asgard, which is like a '60s version of it. Mm-hmm. Like, and and what and once again, the whole Odin, Thor, Loki stuff is from very few actual texts that we have. But like, Odin's kind of like a mysterious dick. Oh, like I just Thor, meant that Thor's the, the, kind the of zoomed a out concept of the the great father and the great mother and the the um the the two sons, like one of which is the the hero and one of which is the villain you know yeah loki's not really a son though a, he's a blood brother of odin yes. also he's not a, necessarily a villain usually i'm not saying it, it, every every version fits perfectly but just generally there's oh. the the shadow expression of the hero mm-hmm. and the hero um there's cain and abel right there's oh okay yeah i see what you're saying um and and th- even just the concept that there's two modes of being in the world one is like good <laughs> In, in whatever you mean by that, right? Maybe you mean God, maybe you mean mushroom, and one is like evil or bad. Like even just to to distinguish like in our thought as or have it in our culture that there's a difference between being good and bad in the world, that probably took like thousands and thousands of years to 
kind of bubble up as a concept, you know? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think they probably recognized, because, you know, like water is good and bad at the same time. Too much is bad. Not enough is bad. So I, I'm sure they had that understanding that like too much magic mushroom is bad. Not enough, though, is just as bad. Like a winter where we're just sitting inside all the time, 20 hours a day with snow up to the rafters and like nobody's having a magical experience. That sounds awful. So you think you know? it's the magical experiences that um, sustain people? I think so. I think it still does. I think, I think that's I why think it still does. But it people also have still to doesn't. defy all, all logic to say, I can't not have Thanksgiving. Like this year has been too stressful. I have to have it. Like the, this is in 2020, you recorded this. Like, yeah. You know, people need the rituals. They need the tradition. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like um, we left out the mushroom part, but we're we, kind we of kept still the like, shell of it I mean, without yeah. the yeah, meat. Yeah. But look, at, look at all so the cheerful. But like, look at all the other like drugs and experiences and stimulus we have in the modern world now. And still, what do people want to do on a holiday? Get together and drink. Like it's one of the oldest like things to look forward to, like a big yeah. feast or like like Yule literally means feast in Norwegian. Like, right, just, Yule tide, right? Yule tide was Yule time. It was feast time. Like yeah. it was the big feast, but you could just have a Yule, a harvest Yule or whatever. Like it was just something to have. It's important to have something to look forward to, especially because most of our history has been just pretty bad, just pretty right. awful. I think it's proof that we're not just purely logical creatures, obviously, but um, if well, we were logical, would be like, why would we, why would we waste all these resources on a big feast when we can more intelligently, like, s you know, ration out this food and and not get drunk and have you know Fred fall on a spike, you know, like, and it people probably die from alcohol consumption throughout history, obviously, but so, yet maybe maybe feasts and and partying and challenging your psyche with substances whether that's psychedelic or whatever i mean is alcohol psychedelic it, it definitely um, changes your psychology yeah i mean it's it's perception altering yeah but I, I would argue that the mushroom cult thing is a very specific practice that happened in that time period like i i think even like even the whole chimney thing it was you know it, it snowed so high you would have these like little shoots like mail delivery shoots Right. above the doorway. Mushroom so that, delivery shoots. <laughs> yeah, so you didn't have to dig out like the whole thing just to get in and out. Like you could, you know what I mean? Yeah, the doors were blocked with like, you know, and it helped to insulate. And... It helped to insulate from the wind if you didn't dig the door out. So they would have these like little things. It wasn't really the, it wasn't a fat guy like sneaking down a chimney. It's just, you know, you might hear sleigh bells approaching because like the guy's tripping so he's got sleigh bells going. <laughs> Why not? Sounds Also, cool. he's on a sleigh and the whole point is like to announce yourself so you don't I don't know. Run into a bear? Why? I guess yeah. Scare <laughs> off wildlife. You don't want to freak out your reindeer. But so you'd hear the sleigh bells. He would drop the treats down, and sometimes mysteriously. I think that started once Christianity tried to to stamp it out. Because supposedly he would, the shaman would come and trip with you before that, and then you would reward him as a farmer with what you had, which was food and drink. Yeah. Um. And I, I think it was which is why we get Santa cookies today. Like you yeah, reward the shaman with, with the best meal you have in your house for giving you the yeah. trip. Yeah. But, so but so money. then I think they had to be sneakier and like kind of yeah. just drop off the mushrooms and, and sneak off. And that's when Santa became this kind of like Odin-esque trickster. Like, Oh, don't tell anyone wink. Like, were you good or bad? Like you won't find out until I, and I, I even wonder if that was more, this is my speculative part of this, the whole naughty or nice. It's like, well, 
were you kind of a dick who was like, oh, let's do what the Romans tell us so we can this and that, and it's like chasing money? Or are you one of those people who like felt a connection to nature? You're like, yeah, I talked to this rabbit for like an hour in this clearing the other day. <laughs> like, that guy gets it. He's getting mushrooms this Christmas. Right. We're like, this guy is just all about gold and money, and he's kind of a dick. He's like, caught up on when the he wrong has, yeah. things. Yeah. When that guy has a couple of pints too many, he's an ass. So I don't want to see him on reindeer piss. So like, I feel like that's where the naughty and nice is kind I mean, we all have a friend that you don't want to drink with, or you're like, oh, God, he's smoking a joint or whatever and it's like he's just gonna talk or whatever take control of the music and just punish everybody like some element so I, of I, his I, consciousness will take control and you're like oh great here we you're go. like yeah the guy's fine but like i don't need to see that part yeah so i kind of think that's where the naughty nice thing came it's like are you deserving of this magical see but shouldn't from, the from naughty people or? be like forced to drink way more reindeer piss <laughs> and just like go on. I don't like, know, such man. A, if a somebody's having trip, a bad like... trip, if somebody's having a bad trip and you're not, they can very easily ruin your trip. So sure, I, 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 there has to be some sort of process. And I mean, even like shaman, current shamans, like the ayahuasca thing is the new hot thing. Like you know that you, if you're not prepared and like there's a way to go about it, like. I'm pretty sure they can just be like, nah, like you, this is, you're not right for this. Like, I'm oh, pretty they, sure you they can, can still they get can denied. refuse you. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I know somebody that, um, it w- when they were down in, I guess it was, um, Brazil, I guess. I forget the, where exactly where they were in South America, but they decided to, to do like an ayahuasca visit an ayahuasca place for the last two days. And then before their flight back and they went with another musician and I guess like as they're journeying and it started, this one girl was like kind of resisting and resisting and like not just going with the flow. And the shaman like scooped up some water or whatever the fuck out of, you know, a barrel or the, something. The juice, yeah, the stuff. <laughs> the stuff and um, put it in his mouth. Or before he put it in his mouth, he said, there's a demon in our midst and started walking around the room and filled his mouth with this and then just sprayed it at this girl. It's <laughs> awesome. It's terrifying. So, yeah, the, the <laughs> thing people should know is the shaman is usually tripping. So, yes. he, oh, yeah. you know, it's it's funny because like modern psychonauts, I think is the term, uh, if you're not comfortable or if it's your first time or you want it more controlled, you have what's known as a sitter which is someone who's had experience with it, but who doesn't do it. Right. So that they can like handle things like, okay, you're not having a heart attack, but I'll take you to the hospital. That's how like the official, um, they're on phase three trials for a lot of psychedelic therapy now at like Johns Hopkins. I know like uh, with mushrooms and um, MDMA and stuff. They're start, they've started, there's a official psilocybin advisory board. Yeah, uh, that is being formed in state of Oregon right now to, to, and it's made up of like mycologists, um, therapists uh like people from drug rehab centers like they're just kind of pulling people from everything to be like oh we need to figure out the best way to go about this right so it's right. cool that science is more involved now it's not just the guy that hangs out with the reindeer all year who comes back <laughs> on that. so there's no doubt that like um whatever comes of these studies right now will be better and safer and more consistent and more scientific but i wonder if something will always be missing in that more i mean they don't make it like a laboratory in that it's like you're in a you know those classic doctor's office settings they take you into a really comfortable room all the therapists that do this mdma um guidance they have to take mdma and then get guided themselves and then that's part of a part of the training process right so they think through the details but i just wonder 
it can't be the same as just having an old bearded guy in like a a red costume with some white spots on it coming by and being who's like, been doing this for thirty oh, years yeah. oh, and throwing mushrooms down your dried mushrooms down your chimney. It's got to be a little we, different. <laughs> yeah, but better. I don't know. Well, I don't um, know. Like, what do you think the psychology of those early humans are? They're not even her- early humans, but I was like, I'm gonna say it's not that early. Like, yeah, they had on like, the grand scheme of things and stuff, and like they were running farmsteads and like agricultural like societies, which is pretty complex. That's where you start getting you know diversification. You have that guy. This guy just makes shoes. Like this guy just farms. Yeah. Like this guy really good with horses. This guy is really good with mushrooms. Like you know, you're able to have that specialization. Um, so like they were pretty advanced. It's just there were so few people on the planet when it happened, I think, that that's how it becomes such a widespread phenomenon now in the modern world. It's like how we're all, all white people are related to Charlemagne just because how few white people there were when he was. You, you've heard that theory, right? Oh, I've when heard he of that, was, yeah. When he w- existed, like just like statistically, you're at least a cousin of some degree to him. Um, like I was reading it just today. When Jesus was born, there was about 300 million people on the planet. And around as the year zero, which is like nothing now. That's less than America, you know. Are we? Coming and that was up the on whole like, planet. That was including like major cities in yeah. Europe as well. Yeah, we're almost at eight billion, I think. Yeah. Um, but that was like including like all the people in North America and Asia. Like it was around like three hundred million. The year one thousand, it was like three hundred and ten million. Right. So, so it's it's it seems like a lot, but compared to now, you know, if it's a small group of Indo-European society that comes up with these rituals and traditions and then it balloons into bil- a couple of billions of people and then five billion and then seven but like it just makes sense that you know everywhere from alaska to siberia well going the other way yeah you know, alaska some kind uh, of tradition that that's in that yeah that there's just that it just spread all over the world it, it kind of makes more sense when you think of it mathematically that way yeah um but I think that's also why, like, Thanksgiving is big, because the idea of a harvest festival is way older than Thanksgiving. It's sure, just, yeah. You know, people want that. They want a seasonal change. Um, and a, re- and Christmas, a, a even, sort of a reason to keep going, right? Yeah. But uh, So I was saying before, is like, we were saying that the solstice, celebrating something on the solstice is it's the worst day of the year. It's the coldest, darkest day in the Northern Hemisphere. So you need something to look forward to. I think a lot of people weren't just tripping. Uh, a lot of the, most people, it was just a, you know, we saved up whatever extra food we saved or, or beer we have down in the cellar, we're going to crack into and take, like, we have to ration everything to get through winter, but this doesn't count towards that. Like, this is the one day of excess that we can look forward to. Yeah. And Whether I think we there had, was, wasn't there also a belief, or maybe I'm confusing this with the, um, the Russian beer thing that, the article that you sent me, but wasn't there a belief that, like, if you ate really well at the solstice, you're, like, setting up, like, a belief that this means you'll eat well all year or something. Yeah. There's this idea of like a continuity, which makes sense. You don't have written history. You just want to do what the guy did the year before, you know, that's safer than choosing something random. You're going to show your kids what to do. Yeah. So the idea was however the year ends is how the next year will go. Mm. Um, And it said, yeah, that article said something about like, you know, the next day, if there was like barley on the floor, like whole grains on the floor, that meant you were going to have a good harvest that year. Mm hmm. Um, but I find belief like that fascinating. It's like if you believe as if it's true and that belief helps you survive from like a Darwinian perspective, your tribe is more tightly organized and working better together and all that. Well, then you'll keep doing that behavior, right? Because it works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And I think we still do. I still get drunk on Christmas. I think it works. It bonds family together. Sometimes it's the same magical thing. Sometimes it does the opposite. But then, (laughs) you know, you have to ask yourself, like, does evolution happen to individuals or populations? And generally it happens to populations and... If you but know, also like fifteen percent get ruined Christmases by alcohol, the other seventy something percent probably bond together better and and release and remember what's important and connect to something deeper that will sustain them through the dark winter ahead. Something like that. As we're about to move to Miami. <laughs> yeah, you're getting out. Yeah, that's part of it too. Like weather throws it off. Like how yeah. important is Christmas when it's eighty degrees year round? Like I'd, it's not. I'd, the same I'd be function. I'd be curious to study that. Like how much more like on an individual level do people connect with christmas if they live in like the caribbean versus like australia Australia versus you know really northern cold places where you have to really remember outside that window like literally this is what i love about a snowstorm is like the other night outside the window is just like a storm of like snow falling and it's freezing out and you're just like i'm inside with my christmas tree and everything's okay well, that's the whole, like, a white Christmas is is an exciting thing. When you get snow on Christmas, because you're like, <coughs> we get the iconic Christmas thing now. It adds to that, oh, it's cold out, it's dark out, like, but it's not in here. Things are great. Like, yeah. it kind of makes it more exciting. If you have, even where you live in the Northeast, if you have, like, a like oh, it's, like, 45, 50 degrees on Christmas, it's like, okay, it's Christmas. Like, something about it being really cold and shitty out makes it more Christmas, right? Right. And it, it, it makes so, you feel so warmer far. about yeah. Christmas because in contrast to the the cold chaos of winter. I mean, there's a reason they, yeah. that winter is coming in Game of Thrones, right? They don't say like the summer zombies are coming. The winter zombies are coming. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, that's, I mean, that's the other thing too, why I think people have such bad Christmases. You were saying like, oh, sometimes alcohol ruins. It's like, yeah, but subsistence farmers tend to not have the same suicide rates that advanced societies like ours do because <laughs> they just don't have the time to think of those problems. Like, yeah. They have more immediate problems. And it's like, oh, Christmas is here and we got the firewood cut in time. Like, that's I also all, think there's that something was our big about, worry. That's all we had to worry about all year and we did it. Like, not only are they on. worrying about that, but there's also an element of um, when you have a relationship with the unforgiving like that, like trying to be a farmer in like the first century or something or the the... In, in you know 5000 BC I don't know whatever year you're, you're wanting to think of if you have a relationship with the unforgiving it gives your life this meaning and it builds your character you're like I gotta figure out this farming thing and I have to sustain myself through this winter otherwise that's it it kind of it builds the 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 uh, strength of, of your well, character that's what's interesting about the like those Viking shows you watch because like there was a brief warming in the region, right? So they had a population boom and then it got cold again because it's a naturally cold place with short seasons. So it couldn't support these populations. And I think that's why there's this huge push of raiding of these warriors just going out right. and raiding all over because like you had to leave home. It, like you couldn't physically support them. So it makes sense. They show these, you think of them as these savage raiders, but they show up and they're like, who to some monastery, like, who's your God? Oh, he loves you. Just have this bread and wine. He's like, sounds like a weak God. I'm going to kill you. I bet he doesn't stop me. Yeah. Like, it's just that's because the, the, that was their life. That's why the the gods are so unforgiving up there. Sorry, we're talking about Christmas. In, in, the, sh- the, in the show Vikings, actually, now. one of the priests from a, a monastery that got raided, they bring, they bring him back and he ends up going with them to their shamanic place and having a trip. And really, ch- it challenges his 
what what he thought of as his Christianity or whatever. Right, because Christians claim a monopoly on God that other religions don't necessarily. Like, the the Norse were more likely to be like, what are your gods? Like, these are my gods. The, those are the ones right. I pray to. You must, like, everywhere, and they traveled a lot, you know? Like, there's Norse markings and tombs in Constantinople. I'm sorry, Istanbul. Uh, <laughs> That's better. <laughs> there's, like, markings there in, like, from soldiers who were there a thousand years ago, and it's like, so Dude, they traveled around enough to know everyone had their own gods. I have a picture on my phone of a Viking gods. marking that I took when I was in Istanbul in 2016 yeah, at yeah. Um, Hagia Sophia. And I took a picture of this because it, it was it was from like the third century or the fourth century or something. I think it was something. from the fourth century. And it's just yeah, this carving the in the side. Cards. And I was like, oh my God, some, whoa. Like history like that yeah. freaks me out. That's what I loved about being in Turkey is like that you see certain historical buildings that you just like blow your mind. The the fun fact about that actually is the empire was kind of crumbling at the time and the emperor couldn't trust any of his own commanders to be his personal guard because he was worried they'd all overthrow him. So he hired Varangian guards from Scandinavia. He's like, they don't even speak our language. Like, they're not going to betray me. Right. They're just going to kill whoever I tell to kill. And I think but, there was like, like they, a special roadway between Scandinavia and Constantinople, right? Well, their ships could get there by like rivers and stuff. That's what I mean. There, there was a route that they that they yeah. figured out. But that's that's why they when they ran into Christians, they were like, "What is this one God thing?" There's a shitload of God. You know how many people yeah. I've met who babble on about their gods? Some have great cities, some have shit cities. Like yours doesn't look that great, and you you know it doesn't seem that strong. You're all weak or like you know. So have you heard of these like that, um, Christian mystic types, like the Jesuit priests, or like? Just like Christ, Christian priest like Saint Nicholas. Well, just like people that like interpret it with a much more open, like let's say, wiggly interpretation. So I heard this guy on a podcast maybe a couple of months ago, and he was talking about two things. One was that the the Western version of Christianity that developed became more about certainty worship, whereas Eastern versions, um or just Eastern philosophy generally split off and became more about like paradoxes exists and how do you embrace paradox and, and you know, you're transcendent to this concept of paradox resolved, but it's above you and you can't understand it. Yeah. It sounds more like the, like Judaic, uh, or the rabbinical, like, uh, what are they called? Not dialectics, but like the arguments they have, like these famous, like logical practices yeah. that they've done to like attack and defend monotheism and stuff. And but yeah, you say it, the opposite of certainty worship is like take a bunch of psychedelic mushrooms. It's like what are you going to be certain of after that? Oh maybe, no, I think you come out of it with a uh, a much stronger certainty. Well, they've they've done studies where of, they sense both of religious and, and non-religious people and anybody who's religious felt a, or uh, the majority of them felt a deeper connection to whatever religion they ascribe to after taking psychedelics i well in in a way you could say it makes you more certain of the bedrock type certainties not like the sort of um um think of it this scrap way. wood it and, this and 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 you know scar tissue that grows in between everything well think of it this way if because if you have a good trip it's more like you take a really you take a clean shower in the morning right you shave you're like what's a clean shower like what do you mean <laughs> 
like a real good one. Like oh. you get the exfoliating <laughs> okay. pumice or whatever, or the extra strong loofah. Like, I didn't not know just if you were quick, showering in reindeer not just a quick, or something. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not just a quick pits face and like hit the main essentials. Like, you're scrubbing between the cl- toes. Like you're super, super clean, right? <laughs> You mean and like then, a shower, Johnny? <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying a heavy-duty one, a real detail job. Uh, you do that, right? And then you go camping in the woods, and you sleep in the ground for two days, three days straight, right? And then you come home, and you, the, when you step back out of the shower after you get back, you're like, wow, I have such a newfound appreciation for this cleanness, this yeah. state that I just take for granted every day. And it's kind of... It, it's psychedelics can do that where you, you mm. do kind of see things from such a different perspective it makes you appreciate that your perspective is like a perspective and not just the way things are uh, so it yeah. does make you not maybe not more certain but more comfortable with like oh yeah my like a view of objective reality is just an opinion and that's kind of reassuring that you know right yeah so it so whether you're certain about stuff or super uncertain i think it does it can help to reinforce it either way dare i say what you're saying is that to have a psychedelic trip makes you more certain about uncertainty what's that sorry that uh, what you're saying is that a psychedelic trip makes you more certain about embracing uncertainty yeah it's one of those again the paradoxes of dualities where you're like i have no limitations it's like well maybe that's a limitation that you don't have any because if you do have them they you know help you or you think that you don't or you're vested in whether or not you do or don't you know what i mean like people get different stuff out of all experiences so you might realize like i don't actually care about that but but certain dualities just get themselves off the ground as a concept by having an opposite so if you say there's no truth well what is that that's a truth claim right well yeah so you you can't say like I am certain that embracing uncertainty is the best way to be. It's like, am I uncertain about that certainty? Like, and then well, yeah, it do, it's not convincing you. Like the mushrooms don't. Argue well, I think with they you. make you realize that reality is grounded. It like by being a human being, you're you're grounded in paradox. Like that's the nature of your being. You have two hemispheres that are that are seeing the world differently. Yeah. And, see, I feel like you think about that way more than. You know yeah, what I mean? That's, like that's it's like a race not... car driver who's obsessed with how the engine's working instead of <laughs> focusing on the track. Like when you come back from a trip, like it kind of makes that going down the track of life easier. You're like, oh, I can do this. Like I, you know what I mean? I feel like if you just do a bunch of mushrooms, it, you, you, <laughs> it would it would help. Yeah. The, well, the I had my chimney open all season, and Santa hasn't brought anything down. <laughs> Sometimes Santa needs some elves. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the elves are a big part of it. Like, he has helpers. He can't do it all on his own, you know? Coming now, what, back to Santa. What did you say? I was going to ask a question of you oh. guys about Santa. Um, so there are stories of a similar figure who are not benevolent. Uh, uh, were they the, the Krampus? same? Yeah, I didn't know if that was the real... Like, That's a real one, old, Krampus. Old, like, yeah, okay, so it was real. Is that from the yeah. Dwight Trout tradition? Belschnickel. <laughs> Yeah, he had he had his own version on the <laughs> No, Krampus. Yes, yeah, he was mean, he'd mean it. He'd go steal kids' shoes or something. So is that like the the uh, Cain and Abel version of Santa Claus? Um, no, I think it was just yeah. Maybe I said it. Now it's fact. I think it was just in Kara scientifically accurate. Checks out. I'm Checks gonna look out. up Krampus real quick, but I think it was just like as it becomes a popular thing in your culture, you can use it to entice your kids or punish them. Sure, you can be like, if you don't put your goddamn shoes away, Krampus is gonna come and eat your feet when you're sleeping. Like parents just used to. His parents, my still parents, at, at least kids, a few but. times, threatened to call the North Pole and tell Santa <laughs> in case you haven't noticed 
these kids are bad and they 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 shouldn't get presents. So and we stupid. were like, don't call Santa. Santa does not need to know about this. How can we fix this? Oh my god. <laughs> Cuz you figure like Santa's probably got like you know, he'll hear about something really bad at some point. But like something small if you can rectify it very quickly, maybe Santa won't know about it. Maybe Santa will still keep building that bicycle that you wanted or the BB gun or whatever. <laughs> So I just looked up Krampus, and this is the Wikipedia, but it's still terrifying. He's a horn anthropomorphic uh, alpine folklore. So yeah, like some villages in Germany or wherever. Uh, and he would actually help Saint Nick. So your duality nonsense holds. Um, and he was there to punish. So Santa would show up with gifts, and he would show up, and he would deliver a birch rod, which I assume the parents would beat you with. Switch. So you woke up on Christmas and either <laughs> got presents or got the shit kicked out of you. And I wonder how much of that was if you were a good kid or not, and what kind of year your parents had. Yeah. Right. Because like you had a bad time, a bad life. You know, all your cows are dying. You don't have any presents. The kid won't shut up. You might just hit him with the stick, so he is quiet <laughs> next year. I I think um, I mean, the I Krampus version of Santa Claus probably wasn't bringing mushrooms with him, right? No, he would just come, I don't know, and flick your ear or something <laughs> when you asked for some. Just annoyed. No, there probably wasn't a Krampus so for that. Do you think that Krampus is older than Santa? The belief or the character? Yeah, like... Um, you know, sort of saying that the the well, harvest he, was, you know, the thing of yeah. of Christmas and and the and the um like that he wasn't tied to Christianity. Do you think that Krampus came after Christianity or before? So I think Saint Nick was how they like copied the shaman character. Mm-hmm. They just like made like sanctified or uh, whatever the canonized a guy and like replaced the the mushroom man's shaman, whatever name they might have had for him, with yeah. Saint Nick. And that's when Krampus came along to help Saint Nick out. To, to oh oh so Krampus did the dirty work of Saint Nick yeah because I imagine some kid was probably smart enough to be like wait a minute I I was a sinner so no so you, I sinned this year for whatever reason so I don't get presents from Saint Nick but I'll just pray to Jesus because he outranks them and then I'm good again right and it was like well yeah we don't want to undersell Jesus so sure but Krampus doesn't care he doesn't listen to Jesus Saint Nick does he's a good guy sure so I imagine it's the Christianity like. They're the the post Bible creation of like the devil as this like mean enforcer guy. So I've got to ask Yanka, who grew up in Turkey, what's your um, what's your life experience with Santa Claus? Oh God, it's really complicated. So, like, there was the concept of Santa. Like, you there would be at like schools, like you know, a person dressed up as Santa, and we would like take pictures or whatever. But no one ever tried to fool us that Santa was the one that was giving us gifts. We all knew, like, also, we don't have Christmas, so everything... Why were you taking pictures with them? I don't know. It's just, like, that's what you do in Christmas. Like, you know, hi, Santa, like, whatever. But no one ever <laughs> believed, like, that that's... Hi, Santa. All right, yeah, see ya. Exactly. I mean, he's, no one... he's got so many movies and songs. I mean, it's probably hard to avoid him in general, yeah. so... Yeah, if you're going to open up your 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 country's culture to to the the world, Santa. A lot of movies don't make sense. Yeah, if you don't know about Santa. So you didn't have Christmas, but you had presents and a Santa figure. Yes, and that all happened at New Year's Eve. Actually, I mean New Year's Day, which is funny. We like had our Christmas in New Year's Day, basically. So you had to wait a week longer than New Year's thing. (laughs) I mean, not really. We don't have Christmas. Like 25th don't mean anything to us. Like 25th is random. Like, it's yeah. not the solstice. And is the 21st anything? No. It's just the New Year's Eve and New Year's. Like, those are the mm. days. But, like, also that was happening 
I don't know, like when I was younger, like as as you get older, you don't even do gifts, whatever. Like you just get lazy with all that. Here, here, you, no matter what age you are, if you're around family, you'll do like Christmas morning gifts. That's nice. I mean, um, we did with friends, like when we. And you'll st- like, you'll still maybe even play the like, oh, the gift is from Santa kind of card. Would you say that your parents put the Santa label, like from Santa, on gifts that were more magical? Like more like, <gasps> like the gifts that made you go like that? I think I, yeah. Yeah. The big ones. The the big ones that you thought, my parents can't pull this off, but Santa yeah, did. Yeah, part of that is so you don't think you can get this shit year round. You know, Santa only comes <laughs> once a year. You're going to, you, you got the basketball hoop. He's not going to bring you a pool next week. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know. So always you got the cynical keep, take, right. Johnny. <laughs> Well, you know. <laughs> also, like, don't you guys get like multiple gifts, like not one or something? Because yeah, like, we get like fifteen. No, I'm like, how many all there? Seriously, like, because like my dad would get me one gift until I was like ten or something. Like that's what it was. But then, like, I spent my tenth birthday in Australia, and it was Christmas, and I had no idea like what was going to happen. Like, I went to bed, and I woke up, and there were like fifteen gifts, and I freaked out. I'm like, how is this hap? Like, no one gave me this many gifts in my life. Like, it was just that was my first Christmas. Yeah. It is an exciting time for a kid because, like, you, you, you have the patience up. to sit there and just be like, it's going to be better if I just wait and I don't, like, I'll go monkey attack all these presents with my name on it. But you guys grow up knowing that, that the next day I'm going to have gifts. In fact, I had my no parents, idea until I was 10 and I woke up one day and I had gifts and I was like, what the Super fuck? Super exciting. Like, it's weird. My parents wouldn't even let us look in the room where they set up the <laughs> the presents, right? Like, until the moment that it was, like, time to come in and open them. We were like banned from looking. And I remember when I believed in Santa, I thought to myself, well, we're going to go eat breakfast first. I could just peek in there and get a basic idea of what we're in store for. Like, was it a rough year financially for my folks or like not? And then I thought Santa will know if I peek. And he'll come and take them. I'll give you less next year. Yeah. And I didn't think to myself, Santa just had the night of his life. He, he delivered presents to every single house, which is billions of people. And now on Christmas morning, instead of sleeping in, he's aware that I'm breaking a trust with my parents and I'm peeking into the living room to see what the, you know, like your kid brain doesn't, well, some people's do, but my kid brain, um, I will not say the number uh, (laughs) just for protection of my own ego, but I believed in Santa for longer than one might. <laughs> oh, you got to tell me the number. Yeah, now we need to hear the number. Come on. <laughs> I'll tell you another number and maybe that will make you feel better. Uh No, I need I need that. <laughs> okay, fine. I th- let me think. I remember in Double eighth digits, grade right? being like Santa's probably fake, but what if? Eighth grade is what age? Eighth grade is pretty old. That's like thirteen. Yeah. yeah. Are you serious? Hey, old. adults believe in what, God. You don't want yeah, to know what I was doing when I was See what, what surprises me about that, Luke, is that I've met your older brother. And I can't, I, it, it, yeah, had having he an older brother two years you. older than you, I would have imagined that he would have. No, he was pretty nice bubble. about it. And in fact, in my defense, my dad had an event where he said, I'm going out to get film for tomorrow morning. Like we ran out of film and we were like, all right, dad's going to 7-Eleven. No problem. My mom puts us to bed. And all of a sudden we hear like a banging on the roof. And my mom's like, quick, fall asleep. I think Santa's here. And then we looked out our window and my dad was outside the window in a Santa costume. He didn't look like my dad. He looked like Santa. And we legit thought he was Santa. And he just goes, puts his hands on the side of his like face and says like, go to sleep. You know, that's like a pretty, 
pretty extensive lie yeah, to tell a bunch of kids. Yeah, who go through the effort to just to lie to so their kids? Just to my dad actually, years. my dad hired an, 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 yeah. a, a professional Santa That's person. So was it a one it was a, man? It was, <laughs> I think I heard it was a real Joe beard. It wasn't, the guy looked like Santa. Like it was what he did. And <laughs> he, it wasn't like a fake beard and mustache. Like he had the real big beard and like the, the did the, it was a fat man. And like, he would show up with presents with my name on it. And it's like, I don't know this person. Like, it's a stranger in my house, but I also know him because it's Santa. Yeah. Like, my dad just let him in and was like, here's Santa. So, like, I did meet Santa a couple of times as a kid. And I was like, wow, that was the real one. And I was, I was old enough to be like, the Wait, one this at the guy mall came to your house? really him. Yeah. He showed up to our house on Christmas Eve when I was a little kid once. And it's like, I knew by then, the, yeah, the mall guy was just a guy. Like I'd love he's got, to see you know, him like outside your front door before he knocks on the door, taking a swig of whiskey, being like, all right, last one of the day. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. But now, what did your parents tell you? Because, like, I definitely noticed, like, hey, mom, the uh, Santa at the mall and the one at the firehouse and the one that supposedly, you know, flying around to millions of houses, like, are they all the same? Like, how does that work? They look pretty different. That guy's like, 45 that guy's like 70 like how does that work what, what what lie did your parents tell you about that that he's busy he can't be everywhere at once and so these are just people that you know dress up like him and then go tell him what you tell him what's the psychology oh, johnny's, <laughs> johnny's parents are brilliant that. at those sorts yeah, of they little lies they this, the things that they did to get their kid their four kids to get along amazing when we were young and poor like in the cutlery or the plates got like chipped and broken and to hide the poverty the chip plate was the lucky plate and you got the first serving so they were just like real good at like turning things into stuff so yeah on the fly i'm sure they came up with great santa lies all the time what's the psychology behind like explicitly lying to like a kid, like like creating these elaborate stories. I'm just very curious because like that's just like something that we absolutely don't do. Like you know we yeah. are just really yeah. I mean like, so, you don't. So I have a question for yeah. Yanka. Yeah. Then, uh, so what what would be in like Turkish schools that you went to? What would be the big holiday? Was there anything that like because I, I I think I could argue that Christmas is the biggest holiday and. In yeah, it, it the cuts US off the culture. year and in, in, in such a like halfway point and gives you that like almost two weeks off kind of vibe. I mean, mm-hmm. in the US, do you celebrate again New Year's Eve like Christmas? Like we do the tree. We're very confused as a nation, I think, like what symbolizes what. So we use the tree as like, you know, a New Year's theme thing and all, all like Santa, everything. But like no one ever like goes the effort, goes through the effort to fool their kids that they're Santa. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we're more, like, realistic about that. Like, why? Or the would... Easter bunny. What oh, about the Easter... tooth fairy? Do you, do you guys have a tooth fairy? Oh, yeah. I mean, theoretically, but I was just somehow knew that it was my parents. I don't know. Yeah, like, I, I wonder if you're confusing fairy, your but... personal, like, obviously, this is all fake with, like, other people believing. Who knows? Maybe I was just very aware. But, like, they would, we would be, like, my dad would be, like, tooth fairy. And I'd be, like, yeah, tooth fairy. You know, like, I always kind of Wait, knew. he winked at you? Like, Robert <laughs> De Niro? Really? But, like... <laughs> We both knew when someone said tooth fairy, there's no tooth fairy. Your dad does wink like Robert De Niro. <laughs> he looks like Robert De Niro. That's true. But anyway. So he would wink like him. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, so. It's interesting, though, like the, the concept of parents lying to kids. Yeah. I mean, like religion is not really parents lying to kids. If the parents believe it, then they're telling the kids the truth as they believe it. That's right. True. Well, but kids like live most in parents such a fantasy act- world anyway. 
Yeah, I mean, like when you're talking to a three year old and you say like more than five words, all they hear is like blah 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 blah. I was talking to my sister it. before, <laughs> and her three year old, uh, he just starts yelling like, "Can you turn on the light, mom? Can you turn on the light?" And I didn't understand what he's talking about, and, and my sister had to stop me, and she's sorry. I'm a unicorn today, and I can magically turn on my own light and my horn. So just so you know, that's where that's where we're starting our bases at today, because ah. uh, because that's what her kid decided that she was a unicorn. So if you so if they're already living in this happy fanciful world, and there's a little uh, there's a lie that you can say that will shut them up. Sure, I think that's See, gotta I'm, be the psych. I'm gonna go more cynical again. I'm gonna say <laughs> well, that, that was already a, cynical enough. <laughs> I know, but I'm gonna go more cynical than that, Kara. And I think that it's a tryout for it's a live as a tryout for Jesus. Because, like, you're right, they're in their own fantasy world, and they'll believe anything. So this is the time to pitch them on Christianity, because it's way easier to convince a kid than an adult, right? Mm. So I think it's, like, the faith thing. Just trust me. Believe in Santa. And they're, like, that's kind of bullshit. And then Santa, like, all it happens. And it's, like, okay, tell me. It's, like, well, you have to do all this other stuff. Plus, also, the same rules apply to your soul in Jesus. Like, it was, like, a way to kind of, at least in the 20th century, I feel like it was a way to to get kids into Christianity and to like sell it. Like, I think that's probably why they, with Yonka in Australia, it's so that when she goes to Australia, that it's like, wow, all these presents, like Christmas is awesome. Tell me more about Christmas. It's like the, uh, <laughs> well, it's, the it's like Christ. the, Who's Christ? It's the brochure well, for Christianity <laughs> is, is the Christmas thing. It's like, yeah, you get to be a part of this. Like, come check it out. So that's my more cynical view is it was a way to indoctrinate children with religion is, hmm. is through that the sort of test. Like, are you willing to suspend your disbelief? Um, for selfish reasons or something, right? Yeah. Right. Do you think kids would believe in Santa Claus if Santa brought like math homework? <laughs> yeah. No. Well, kids don't care about like your soul and good and evil and stuff. They care about toys and things. But so they understand behaving the well and behaving that. badly and how that, uh, yeah. you know, correlates to getting coal in the stocking. Wasn't that the thing? Or um, the presents. Yeah. So what what is the coal in the stocking? Is there any connection to the psychedelic shaman Santa? No, I think that was like a Krampusy thing. Yeah, because they didn't really like use coal. The only other Santa thing that I think we forgot to mention was he would collect the the shaman would collect the mushrooms in a sack and throw it over his shoulder. And like, how many pictures of Santa do you see with the, 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 the bag like of that? toys or the bag of presents over his shoulder? Right, mm-hmm. and then he would hang them on a tree and and get all you know dry these mushrooms out or whatever hey yanka can you get me a beer from the fridge on your way back please <laughs> and it's fun to watch yanka struggle so by the way as i set up this like we were going to set it up as we normally do on our desk and then i set up this podcast on the couch and i basically made it like a mission impossible you know when the lasers are like going in every different angle to to sort of mess with um so you can't walk or whatever, right? You're in like a museum and you're trying to steal the the artifact and there's lasers across the room. That's our setup right now. So okay. Very dangerous. We had a dog trying to walk around ours before it was... We did have one. Dogs don't understand podcasts for the life of them. Yeah. Um, I have some beer stuff about Christmas Yeah. Too. So can you talk about like what that article you sent and like the Viking and Russian like beer vibe? With yeah. Christmas? So we're talking about like Yuletide and feasting in general yeah. and uh beer real quick beer used to be a very essential part of everyday life you had weak beer you drank working in the fields you had strong beer for celebrations and holidays birthday stuff whatever and 
it was a big source of calories and potable water, which were hard, both hard to get for most of human history. You know, it's yeah. easy for rivers and wells to get poisoned. And uh, so treating the water, making beer out of it, it's important. So of course your big rituals are going to include your, the stuff you need every day. And um, there's also some like weird connections to uh, like the, the elf thing that like Santa has his little elves, uh-huh. little helpers. Oh, oh, the yeah, idea yeah, of these yeah. like lower order magical deities somehow below the shaman type um that is a big thing in northern european culture yeah and they're like there's a lot of like farmhouse uh myths and superstitions all throughout northern europe and russia about this can you Uh, remind people what a farmhouse ale is by the way because like isn't that the the ale that was talked about in that um yeah so farmhouse okay when you see this is the beer nerd part of the yes i'm excited the podcast uh when you see farmhouse ales, most of them, it just means there's some funky fermentation going on. Like they use some weird yeast culture or some type of weird wooden vessel. But like true farmhouse brewing, the the term, it it's really when you make beer on the farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you grow your own malt usually and you have some big system to make farmhouse beer. And um, it was really common for a long time. It's really died out like a lot of old pastoral practices. Um but a lot of these people, you just do it the way you do it because that's how they've always done it on the farm. So they, they've kind of figured out the tricks, some, a lot of tricks to brewing that um, weren't really like discovered, quote unquote, until 1800s and germ theory and stuff. But they, they would, you know, you use certain ingredients like straw and juniper and uh, the way you God. treat your wood, like what kind of herbs and shit you add that you get, uh, you get these more traditional farmhouse beers. And what, what beer that, that um, you know, it, what, or so just, part, part what, what taste do you think that would have, roughly? Uh, it depends. It's very regional because it's whatever wild yeast you have going. Um, but from what uh, the book I was reading by the same guy who wrote that article, uh, he, he says, like, he traveled all over Norway and Sweden and Lithuania, all these Scandinavian countries. And uh, a lot of them, it's surprising, you can get, like, rich, fruity flavors uh, a lot of dark, like roasted flavors. So that you, when you farmhouse brew, you make big batches. You're doing a big giant like kettle because you're making, you're brewing a few times a year. It's not something you're doing regularly. Yeah. So they would. It takes a while to heat that shit up with wood fire. So you would boil, get it up to a boil. It would take a few hours. You would boil it for a few hours, and it would drive the water off and super concentrate it that way. So you can get really strong beer. A lot of like strong ale on farmhouses farms would be nine, ten. 12% maybe, 15%. Uh, so a couple of glasses of that, you can get... That's like the self party beer. Yeah, so that's your like Christmas beers. And that's when you... And you'd probably add special uh, spices herbs and, stuff. and spices and yeah. stuff for it. And Isn't that still common when they... like? I, I think I had the Goose Island I think they call Christmas. them winter ales now, a lot of them. I think theirs might be a Christmas beer still, but... Maybe they... You'll see winter ale on a, on a yeah. lot of stuff for spice, dark And you beer. generally know that means it's going to be dark and spicy and the, the exact opposite of what my dad would ever drink, basically. Yeah. So, <laughs> n- not to nerd out too much, but farmhouse beer is... I'm going to nerd out too much. Farmhouse beer isn't, like, well malted because you want to get as much flavor as you can and as much sugar as you can. So, you make really dark base malt which is like the light pale malt that makes like Bud Light type beers or Pilsner malt. So instead of going for that or going really dark, 
roasted malts like you'd get in porters and stouts you kind of get as dark as you can and still get sugar out of it yeah. and then you boil the shit out of it so it's super concentrated so you get this, these real strong sweet beers that are also really alcoholic so that sounds great with a feast where you're going to eat way too much food but there are all these rules you had to do to make sure the beer doesn't spoil because beer can spoil very easily there's yeast there's bacteria in there um and some of them are good practices. Some of them are just nonsense superstitions that are fun. So in Norway, they have something called the Vets or the Vetter. I'm sure I'm not saying it right. I don't have a good Norwegian accent. I don't want to offend them, but it's, I think it's, it's okay. It's I, didn't, I didn't think you did. <laughs> but they, uh, they're these like little tr invisible troll people that if you don't like pay homage to them, they won't like your beer will go bad. Because bad beer, you normally would blame on witchcraft. Because why not? It's not my fault. I make good beer. Fuck you. Like, yeah. that's the reaction. So you'd have to do what stuff. What could like I have done? <laughs> when you add the yeast, you have to, like, throw some on the on, in the fireplace for the, the, the invisible. Oh, so they're invisible sometimes. For the vetter. Or you had to, like, pour a bowl out in a specific spot. Or one was... Uh, Is that, like, the, the, the back then version of, like, pour some out for my homies? Uh, kind of, but they're also <laughs> kind of dicks. Like this one, uh, where's this story? It was, uh, well, I can just summarize it. It was basically she couldn't get her, her beer to go. And the guy was like, oh, you have to yell. There's a fire on whatever this island is that was like across the water. And if you yell that when you add the yeast, they'll hear it and go, oh, my troll babies are going to burn because that's where I live. And it'll run away and not have time to ruin your beer. It won't get back before the beer's mm. done. Like they have all these weird like trolley kind of things. Uh, I think Finland's or the Danish version where they call, they were called Nice or Nice. I I'm not saying that one right. N-I-S-S-E. Um, and like similar spirits. And you'll see that in old artwork. Well, it'll show like a little elfy guy dressed right. like a, a, Dan a Danishman, like carving something or whittling something. They were these like little kind of tricksters. They could turn into cats and then turn back into them. Wasn't that article um, you sent? Like they, they left out the meal from the feast they had and they just assumed oh, yeah. like the, the, these little like elf like creatures would come into the house and like the, it was like their old ancestors or something and they would take the rest but that, of the food. That's, so, so some people think that is the like sanctification of the pagan practice, which was more of an ancestor worshiping like the, your, the dead ancestors uh, practice, which was that you'd leave the meal out for them the, or you'd leave out after you ate or leave it out the night before. The yeah. idea is the dead ancestors who lived on the farm before you would get their meal too. Uh, but then I think it kind of got turned into this. It's for these trolley kind of magical things. The way Santa was supposed to be this like shamanistic ritual. And then it got just commercialized into like presents and Coca-Cola. So <laughs> yeah, Coca-Cola. I think the elves were just the fun part of it, not the heavy part. And that's why they like endured as a tradition, just like Santa instead and not the mushrooms. Like he's kind of the fun, easy, accessible part. Don't you ever don't you ever worry though that like as we detach from the roots of whatever these traditions were, whether it's like the shamanistic Santa or anything else, if you're too far detached, then whatever service that that behavior was giving your culture to sustain it, um, you know, are 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 do you sow the seeds for your own destruction? Nah, man, they didn't have Taco Tuesday back then. Taco Tuesday is awesome. So do you think like, it just we have always so many gets replaced with new traditions, and maybe yeah. a thousand years from now, Santa will be like whatever? 
we got pretty great ones right now. Like they didn't even, we, I can do Santa or Taco Tuesday. They just had the one, you know? <laughs> so if anything, it's way better. Yeah, there's no conflict between Taco Tuesday or Whiskey Wednesday or Margarita Monday or they any had of these none other of alliteration they had, excuses They had to Mushroom drink. Thursday if that's when Christmas landed, you know? That was it. <laughs> What's, what's but the, I could do that too. If what's I want. the uh, alliteration excuse to drink for Thursday? Thursday. Thursday. Oh, Thursday, Thursdays, of course. That's the easiest one. And Friday. Would you say Whiskey Wednesday, Tequila Tuesday? And then Margarita Monday. What's Saturday? Um, Shit uh, House Saturday. <laughs> Shit Honestly, Saturday. because it's Saturday, you don't even have to make one up. Like it's just Saturday. <laughs> Sambuca Sunday. Oh, drink. <laughs> that sounds awful. What's the, uh, the breakfast sessions. one we'll do on New Year's Day every year? Um, mimosa. Mimosa Monday. Mimosa Monday. That could work. Mimosa Friday. That works too. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, why not? <laughs> There's no rules. <laughs> um, so um, was there anything else that we forgot to mention about the Santa mushroom? Um, ho, ho, ho. You're tripping looking on. Looking over my notes here. Uh no, I think we kind of covered everything. I think we pretty much uh, deconstructed Christmas. I think as a, as I think a, my favorite part is is the concept of like, and I know your first instinct was like, Luke, you're overthinking that. You generally do, but go ahead. The 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 um, uncertainty thing, right? Like, I think what Christianity gets wrong in 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 so many interpretations is the certainty. And like any religion is I think is needs to have the um uncertainty, the sort of like uh you know, you have to be subordinate to something higher than you that you cannot box in and understand. That's the whole point. And I think psychology. Yeah, but aren't you certain of that, that, Luke? Don't you have a certain conviction to that point of view? Aren't you falling into that by saying that you're not doing it you're also doing yeah, it. yeah that's what i said earlier that's what i was worried about i don't know i, know, that's I'm throwing about it back that. i would say i believe in that maybe that's not being certain right okay like, well i believe in in feeling well adjusted after <laughs> microdosing <laughs> on mushrooms <laughs> well so microdosing is also a different thing than um like yeah, it's I, great you should try it i've heard i've Literally heard a bunch somewhere. of people um that have microdosed and tim ferris who's a famous podcaster and entrepreneur or whatever he went on um his first 10-day vipassana meditation retreat which is basically yeah you don't have to do all that man Just but go find a waterfall he, he was in this podcast talking about this meditation retreat and we're like wow you know whatever and like halfway in he's like oh by the way i was microdosing on mushrooms the whole retreat and the guy's like wait how how did you wait until now to say like the psychedelic experience of being on a retreat even if you just eat the porridge that they give you, you're also microdosing and you're wondering why you had crazy experiences while sitting silently for 18 hours a day and also taking... This sounds like the kind of person who's done those retreats. Like you don't go, you don't microdose for a week or whatever it was the first time you go to one of those. Like Except the, he's I probably think he a guy did. Who that's I mean, he's, he's, really? he's, he's had experience with psychedelics before that. Yeah, but he just See, those chose like if I'm going to do this, I want to do it. Too you know, much. I think it's too much, much too. And in fact, with with meditation stuff, I I prefer to like know what what that experience is by itself, and and think of psychedelics as a way to, um, if you choose that path, you can get to certain places much faster. You're overthinking it, man. Just <laughs> just take a just pop a cap and go sit in nature somewhere where you feel safe. That's true. And, and, and which you build is funny. Your, yeah. right? 
I'm it's looping like back any, on my own problem. It's, it's yeah, yeah. You're way overthinking it. Uh, like I, like most things, people overdo. Right? Like they say, oh, a glass of wine a day is good for you. Right? Like a little bit of cho- dark chocolate is good for you. Like things like that. So people are like, oh, a bottle must be okay. I eat chocolate every day or whatever. <laughs> so it, or people say, you know, THC is good for you for whatever reason. So like, so I smoke four blunts a day. It's like, no, it's probably like much smaller amounts is the good amount. Like, you know, having the thin farmhouse beer, like the daily small beer that was like 2% alcohol. Right. Like having a couple of those a day is probably good for you. Like one glass of wine, like taking a couple of microdoses a year. Like that's all you need. You don't need to take so much. You're the guy without his clothes on in the street. <laughs> Right, like you just you just need enough to get the the ben- the the actual medicinal benefit of it, you know. Like how much chamomile is good for you, and how much you you're just drinking chamomile now, you know. Whatever positive effect it gives off is just it's, it's it, you're you're not you're diminishing positive. returns kind of vibe. Yeah, 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 exactly. So like you're definitely way overthinking it. So would you, you say that go, for for psychedelics, you're thinking more of like a um, microdosing is a better vibe than um, taking a large dose and, and, and totally kind of, you know, I mean, yeah. And if you're going to do that, it should be after like building up to it. Like anything you like the idea of just the first time you drink on your 21st birthday, you're going to black out is not a good idea. Like you should have a couple of beers before then, yeah. like over a course of some months, people really like, figure that out. Buzzed, some people really yeah, don't. <laughs> know what buzzed feels like, know what drunk feels yeah. like, know what true too drunk feels like. So, you know, when to like titrate your in- intake, you know, yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, you should just find a waterfall and somewhere you feel safe. I, I like waterfalls in general, but or something, you know, a big tree, a coast, a beach. Beaches are nice. Something like nature-y. something in nature. Yeah. Um, I think I saw today something like about that chaotic, how, peaceful, like water flowing. Is, oh yeah, yeah. Nice. Ka- did you just say chaotic, peaceful? Yeah, that's 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 like, funny. I was just spent a few days at the coast, and these big rolling waves seem these huge, crazy, like chaotic things. But they, there's like a predictable pattern, which is really reassuring. But I, but I think that fits with what I was just saying before, which is that like the spiritual experience, whether that comes from psychedelics or religion or meditation, whatever, you're you're re- resolving paradox, right? Chaotic, yeah. peaceful. Okay, how are those two the same? Well, if you saw what I saw, you would understand how they're they're the same, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what I just said to you. If you took the psychedelics, you would see you would you would physically see it. No, I know. I'm I'm saying that yeah. like that's also an experience you can have in from other things. Psychedelics are probably the most direct way. So to I think you're throw yourself to, into that. You're supposed to intellectualize it all year, and then. When the reindeer, the guy shows up riding the reindeer, is when you you're supposed to get into these things. I don't so want. What are your Christmas plans, Luke? I don't, are, do you resolve to go find a tree house somewhere? To no, let me just probably, say I this: of all, all the Christmases where I would be um, able to trip on mushrooms if I wanted to, this yeah. Christmas with coronavirus and I have no concerts to play, where I'm normally like t- completely busy. Um, this would it's be gotta, the best Christmas. Yeah. And I Let's did just see one of the lights on our Christmas tree that I'm staring at behind the it's camera. It just winked at me. It just yeah. it oh. just twinkled at me. Okay. That, that did you see that? No, I didn't, but like, I believe you. Good enough <laughs> so let's to... pretend you're going to go up to <laughs> Canada where it's, le- where it's, I think there's places that's legal. Sure, whatever. Um, yeah, like a nice, like snowy Airbnb in a country where it's totally legal and you're not breaking any rules. Oh, 
or not, whatever. But go get a nice Airbnb somewhere, somewhere you feel safe, like have some stuff. We'll do one of those igloo hotels. And have some Legos, buy a Lego set or something simple, you know, so you have something to play with if you want. And then just go play in the snow for a bit. Light a fire. Fires are great. Fires, waterfalls, like I said, like natural things. Like a fire is predictable. It's not going to scare you, but it's not boring. But it's also Um, not completely predictable. It's a little risky if you're stupid. Yeah, but like, so that's the thing. Like, it's if you just take a safe, proper dose, yeah. Then I mean, you know, it just it kind of adds to things. It's what you just said. It's that 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 chaotic, peaceful. It's like you see you see the um, the opposites in things as as defining each other and mutually necessary. You know. But yeah, you you want to smoke a joint the first time. You don't want to like rip a couple of dabs. Yeah. If if you want to oh you're saying in the metaphor for like if metaphorical you to try how to take for the it first, your first time. time yeah yeah just go go take it somewhere you can chill and i think if you it. want to try anything Stuff. for the first time it's probably not best to just like go on the fastest roller coaster ever invented before you've tried like space mountain which is a fun yeah. roller coaster right but <laughs> your if you're a roller snap. coaster enthusiast space mountain's get, like you know. eh right yeah yeah yeah. go on the yeah they don't send you on the space shuttle your first day you gotta build up to it yeah the astronaut school so the same with drugs (laughs) (laughs) yeah all right well uh i'm gonna hit stop on the recording and then uh i'll i'll uh talk more to you off air (laughs) (laughs) about my christmas day plans (laughs) Uh, okay let's do that all right thanks for coming on dude oh yeah thanks man peace all right thanks for listening to this episode of exploring kodawari If you enjoyed it, we hope you'll consider sharing it on social media and with friends. You can also help us out by leaving a rating and a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Those help us more than you would think. And if you'd like to help us out in a more substantial way, consider going over to our website to make a donation through PayPal. Links are in the episode notes for this. You can do this as a one-time donation or a recurring monthly donation. All of that support will help us to set aside time in order to create content for the podcast and the blog. And finally... Please get in touch with us and say hi, either on social media or privately through email. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.